0: Everyone, welcome to the Cultivate podcast at the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. And we are now in session two of a series where we're just talking a little bit about politics and kind of the way the Christians are supposed to interact with it. And last time we talked about the passage in Romans 13, where Paul is telling us that it is important for us to be subject to the governing authorities, that authority is placed there by God and that we need to be subject to it. Now, obviously, there was a lot more that I could have said, just kind of what that means that God has ordained authority, especially when that authority is bad. We could just talk about why doesn't the Bible talk more about being in active rebellion against you know just some of the worst injustices that are out there. There's a lot to say. You could really just spend, I mean, countless hours talking about what Paul talks about there. We decided to try to keep it a little bit simple, and the, the simple thought being that Rebellion is not what God has called us to. He's called us to submission, and that submission should be based in a trust that God is ultimately in charge and in control, and that despite all of the loopholes and exceptions that might exist, that really we want to be characterized as God's people, as people who are humbly serving our community and our government and our country. Now we'll continue on here as we kind of see what else the Bible has to say. Take so a look at what is the definitive passage where Jesus kind of interacts with a political controversy of his day, and when I say it's a political controversy, it's actually a lot more significant than that. they were an occupied country the Jewish people had no independence they were fully owned by the Roman government, so they were they I may mean, could be considered them maybe kind of a bit of a state they had a they had a puppet king of sorts that was a Jewish person, but they were They were were an occupied place. They did not have independence in any real sense of the word. And so as being occupied, they, they were God's chosen people meant to be ruled only by God. And now they are being ruled by Caesar. So is it a right thing for a godly Jewish person to pay taxes to the ungodly, heathen emperor Caesar? Is it the right thing to do or not? And there were essentially two lines of thought on that. One is that, that it is absolutely the wrong thing to do. You should not give one dime of your money to someone who is unjustly ruling over you. And the other group was kind of like, man, you know, let me just go along to get along. It'll all be just fine. And these two groups, they're called the Pharisees and the Herodians, they, they, they fought with each other about this, about what is the appropriate way to interact with an unjust, unfair government. These two groups opposed each other. They didn't appreciate each other. They thought that the other ones were traitors, but they were able to come together and in in, in, in be united in their opposition to Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 22, we've got this situation where they're trying to trap Jesus with all of these kind of gotcha questions. And these two groups, again, who are very much opposed to each other about what the appropriate response is to the tyrannical government of the Romans. What do we? What, what are God's people supposed to do when they're occupied by tyrants? What are they supposed to do? And so they come together, verse 15 of Matthew chapter 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. So again, I've got to They come together. People who hate each other, don't agree about anything, want to fight, believe that the other ones are traitors, are willing to come together to fight Jesus together. Along with the Herodians, teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. I mean, come on, bro. I mean, mean, come on. They don't, they, don't like, they don't like each other and they certainly don't like him and they're just gonna butter him up with insincere flattery. It's just awful. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? So if he says no, it is not lawful. Then he's made half the crowd mad, and perhaps has gotten himself in trouble with the Romans, and maybe they could have cause to arrest him. If he says yes, then the other half of the crowd is mad, and it seems like that like he is somehow minimizing the authority of God's people to rule themselves. Doesn't you know? Maybe he's making a statement then about whether or not God, the Jewish people, are really God's chosen people, or whatever. They're recognizing an unlawful, ungodly authority over their life. And so they're trying to trap him, which is evident just by the two groups coming to Jesus together. Why are you trying to trap me? Verse 19, show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God, what is God's? When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. And so they're trying to trap him to get him to say something that is going to be a problem to one or both of the groups. They're trying to suck him into this controversy. They're trying to trap him. They laid plans to trap him in his words. And, and instead, I mean, he, he, he's like, why, why, why are you guys even doing this? And so I think that there are a few really important principles that I think that we can draw from here to help us understand kind of what our attitude needs to be. And it'll be similar to some of the things that we talked about last time, because he comes to the same conclusion in this passage that Paul came to in Romans chapter 13, which is, you should just pay your taxes. Now, you know, and and so, but I think there's more to it here that I think are re- it's going to be really important for us as we think about. How do we interface with our political world, our political culture, especially as it sits right now? Because I think that there are a lot of opportunities in what we would call political discussions, political debates, news, political shows. Let's just say it just seems like a lot of that kind of lives and dies by the trap gotcha question, where they're trying to get you to, "Ah, hey, do you denounce this? What do you think about this? And they're either trying to get you to say something that is going to make the people who like you really, really mad, or to get you to say something that makes you seem like you're an idiot. And we, we live in a great culture of the gotcha question. And I think there is a principle here that is of incredible importance, which is Jesus refused to get sucked in by that. And I think that we should do the same. Do not allow yourself to get sucked into unnecessary controversy where somebody trying to get you to take some very narrow stance on some very narrow issue and they phrase the question in such a way where really the question is formed to kind of, to be controversial, to get you into a fight, to get you to say something, to get to expose you to be a hypocrite. Like what if, what if we just decided, what if we decided that we weren't going to play that game? And you think, man, well, some of these questions that they ask about abortion or you know, how do we take care of the poor or what do we do with people who are trying to immigrate here, these things are of crucial importance and we can't just not participate. I'm not asking you to not participate. I'm just asking you not get sucked into to fake drama and anger and unnecessary controversy. It's not that the issue isn't important. It's just the framing and the culture is not worth engaging. Do you think that Jesus had strong opinions about whether or not Israel should be independent? Do You think Jesus had strong opinions about the relative morality of Caesar and the Roman government? Absolutely, he did. I mean, there isn't anything unjust in the Roman government that Jesus was not completely and totally aware of. And he had great compassion for the Jewish people and was very heartbroken by the fact that they were oppressed and downcast people. And because of that, were living in fairly extreme poverty. All of that was of great significance to him and morality and honor and goodness and honoring God and overcoming injustice. These were all things that were Jesus talked about in other contexts. But he was not going to get drawn into a pointless political fight. And you can't say that the weightiness of the issue makes it where it's then okay to kind of get sucked into these kind of pointless, angry debates. Because the issue that they were trying to get Jesus on is probably more significant than most of the things that you would consider the most important to you. Because again, he lived in an occupied country that was... that crucified um, Jewish people for no good reason because they didn't really see Jewish people as fully human I mean that's a pretty big deal and how you respond to that government is a pretty significant issue but under these kind of fake outrage entrapment kind of kind of thing Jesus was he was gonna allow himself to get sucked into that I think the second thing that I think is of incredible importance is that we don't get kind of drawn into what I'll just call black and white binary thinking, most of the political issues that face us, the ones that really, really matter, are not as clear-cut as your favorite political pundit would like you to think that they are. Depending on who you are, you have a favorite political news station. And I'm telling you, that particular one, the one that you like, is oversimplifying everything. And everyone who agrees with me is a good person, and everyone who disagrees with me is evil. And the answers to these complicated problems are actually very, very simple, and anybody who doesn't see it this way is either stupid or immoral. That's just the way our current world works, where we oversimplify everything and demonize people who don't see it in our overly simplistic way. And I would just say, just, don't, just don't, get, don't, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up and you feel like that your choices are this party or this party, this overly simplistic idea or this overly simplistic idea. I feel like that over the last several election cycles, we've been left with some really, you know, you just kind of, you get behind, I guess it's not really a curtain. I guess there's still a curtain there. It used to be like this big curtain that you have to pull. You were completely hidden. It's more like kind of like you're kind of in a a three-sided box. Where you're sitting there and you put your little piece of paper in the machine to vote. Anyways, you sit there in your little voting machine and you get to the point to who you're going to vote for for president. And a few of you may feel differently about this, but in my heart, I mean, these last couple of elections, it's like I'm not uh, no heroes, man. You can, you can either vote for God's special hero or the world's worst person, and it's like. Uh, it's it's been a while since we've had a hero, someone that just was just like, this is a great, it's like, you know, you got to pick. But just because the person you pick is the person that you vote for does not make them an infallible hero. But again, we get caught up in this binary thinking where the person that I voted for, if you think that he's done wrong, well, then you're an idiot or you're an awful person. When we really can just kind of look at the individual people that we're voting for, the parties that we're looking at, and the issues, and be like, it's actually a lot more complicated and a lot more involved than what I'm being led to believe, both by my candidates and my preferred political talk. And so I'll just give you a couple of examples um, that I I think really just kind of illustrate this. And I'm going to phrase the questions intentionally. Maybe this makes me a Herodian, the way that I'm kind of phrasing these questions, that I'm trying to trap you with the way that I ask the question. But I really more ask you the questions this way not to entrap you, but to get you to consider um, that the issue is a lot more complex. Is it right for a country to enforce its borders? I'm not asking how humanely we should treat people who come to our borders. I'm not asking you about whether or not um Someone who has managed to get by in a way that is um did not follow the normal process how we should treat this person, I'm asking how we should love people, I'm just asking is it right for a country to do that? Is it right for a country to have borders at all, and if so, is it right for them to defend them and it's just not as simple as well we can do whatever we want to keep all the people out, or man, we should just let anybody here can we able to do anything you do it it it's just not that simple it's and and again. The fact that you can look at that question and be like, well, you know, it's really not that simple, but I think we should have more of an open border than maybe, okay, great. Well, I, I think that if the way that our border is open really causes some real problems that I feel like that we need to address, that it is possible to answer that question two different ways that both make sense. You know, anybody can come to any country for any reason and live there for any reason they want. That's not practical. Uh, we should we should demonize anybody who is trying to escape from one place to get over here. That doesn't make any sense either. And again, we 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 characterize our own views as incredibly normal and moral, and we and we look at the other people and say, "Well, you're you're a terrible person for thinking that." And really, the issue is more complex than that. I'll give you another one. Does providing poor people with free stuff, is that ultimately for their good? You know what the answer to that question is? Sometimes, well, sometimes it's not. Sometimes um, some of the programs, if we just kind of look at them, some of the programs that we've done have caused more generational inequities than it would have been had we left it alone. But actually, was, but, but, but we should be compassionate. Absolutely, we should be compassionate. We should be compassionate to people. And it is a good thing to bring people out of poverty and to give them things that they need. It absolutely is. But it also has some second level effects that maybe aren't always good. So how do we deal with that? I don't know. Let's talk about it. What is the best way to bring hope in life to impoverished and disenfranchised communities? I mean, and it's somewhere between the way that our political parties like to talk about it. We need to be people of compassion. We need to be people who deal with root causes and it's not as simple as what you're going to hear in any senate debate that you experience over the next couple of months. And the reality of it is, I think it is important if we are going to be people who say that we represent God, that we have the ability to be thoughtful about it. If someone were to say to you, I think because of compassion and kindness that we should we should have robust programs that offer assistance to poor people. Like, man, that is actually really, really good. You can also say the systems that we seem to have in place don't seem to be working. We've been doing these sorts of, pro- these programs, these ways for a couple of generations now, and it hasn't really solved the problem. We should consider doing something else. That That's reasonable. Is it possible to say something that you disagree with and it in fact still be reasonable? And so... I think what we get here from Jesus is a rejection of unnecessary controversy and a rejection of overly simplistic thinking. And I, and I think that if, if, if at a minimum, what we've, what we've talked about over these last couple of episodes, I think if we start thinking about, because if, th- if you think about the church is now getting involved more in politics. Does that feel like a good thing? It's like, man, we, we, we need more of the voices that Christians have given over the last 30 or 40 years. We need more of that and louder. Does that feel like a good thing? Is, is, has our involvement been a net positive? When we step into a situation, it should be salt and light. It should be hope and life. And I just don't think that, um, that that's what we've done. And historically, it's been that Christians have aligned themselves with more conservative Republican ideals. And it has come across kind of gross sometimes. And now the counter-revolution to that is actually we should be Democrats. And I'm like, what if we rejected the binary? What if we rejected the controversy? And instead, we just thought, how can I bring hope and life and salt and light to this situation? I am going to point people towards hope towards life. I'm going to be an encourager of people. And I'm going to, in an appropriate way, advocate for God's values, not in a way that is harsh, not in a way that is judgmental, but one that has humility and service. Again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last time, that ultimately our, our position needs to be one of submission, one of service, and that we need to have a humble attitude that we give back to our government what is asked from us. And so I think part of, that just involve, that part of that includes that I'm just going to avoid just kind of this angry, hostile, binary thinking. And I'm not just going to be involved in controversial things just for controversy's sake, but that when Christians step in to say, this is what I believe, this is what I think that God would want us to be about, that it is a very humble, thoughtful, and compassionate way. And if your brand of politics is not making you more humble, more thoughtful, or more compassionate, then your brand of politics is not working. And we need to be advocating. I don't getting if saying you should vote for a third party. I'm just saying we need a third way of thinking and one that just brings life. Because there is just nothing, it seems to me, but just kind of destruction and hate in the way our current politics are aligned. And I don't want to align with either one of those groups. I'm not necessarily advocating for a third party. Again, I'm just advocating for a new way of thinking, one of humility and kindness and compassion. And so that's kind of ends this particular episode. We're going to come back uh, next time. And I'm just going to essentially give you like just a handful, five, six, seven, different principles that I think that really should govern the way that we think about politics and how we should vote. Again, I'm going to say these specific principles, and some of you are going to hear them and think, and that is why I typically vote Democrat. And some of you are going to hear them and think, that's why I typically vote Republican. Again, because I don't think either one of those particular political parties 100% align with Christian values. We just have to take Christian values and principles and organize them the best way that we can uh, to vote and advocate for the particular policies that we think are best. And so I will just share with you a handful of the principles that I feel like have guided me and you will be free to do whatever you want with them. So you can come back for that. Again, thank you for joining us on our Cultivate podcast. And if you are in Northwest Arkansas and not a part of the Grove, we'd love to see you. Go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, get the information about the wares and wins of our services, and we'd love to see you. If you're not, you can do the exact same thing. Go to the exact same website. You can learn about our streaming. Either way, we'd love to know that you're listening and connect with you any way that we can. And again, thank you so much for joining us.